Let's talk about some implications on buying a business in today's interest rate environment. And then we're going to give you some strategies to think about when you're looking for deals, you're looking for partners and negotiating the terms that maybe can help uh, make you feel more comfortable in this interest rate environment that we're in right now. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today, we're talking about a very timely topic, and one that's near and dear to us right now, because uh, interest rates are going up. And there's a lot of is, you know, a lot of people are concerned about it. And although we're not extremely concerned about it, but it is certainly something that is going to, is changing the dynamic and changing the calculations, right, Jessica? Yeah, I think there's just different things that you have to consider in today's environment than say the environment 18 to 24 months ago. And there's different strategies that you have to use. And interest rates are a big component to purchasing a business, but they're not the only component. So what Andy and I wanted to do today is first, let's talk about some implications on buying a business in today's interest rate environment. And then we're going to give you some strategies to think about when you're looking for deals, you're looking for partners and negotiating the terms that maybe can help uh, make you feel more comfortable in this interest rate environment that we're in right now. Yeah. I mean, so let's talk about the implications first, right? Yeah. Uh, number one, it's just more expensive to get a loan. I mean, it's just more expensive to carry that loan. If if interest rates go up 4% or have gone up 4 or 5%, maybe even 6% uh, now, you know, 6% on a million dollar loan, that's an extra 60 grand a year. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. And that also has an, a further implication is it's not just more expensive or, or the interest or the, the payments are higher, but it can be more difficult to qualify for those loans. So the lenders are going to look at this debt to income ratio. And as the payments go up, you're going to need more cash flow to pay for that. But they also could have stricter criteria uh, with the loan applications themselves. Um, so that's not always the case, but we can see that in this type of environment. Yeah. And, and a lot of people are doing, trying to do things that are even, you know, to get around them. Like, so they'll lower the term of the loan if it's a seller note or something like that to try to maybe just, you know, hedge their bet that it's going to go up later. But, you know, a shorter loan may be harder to carry as well. I mean, so we're seeing yeah. a lot of things that people don't want to carry a lot of money right now. Yeah. So if we look at that, like it can be more expensive with a higher interest rates, more difficult to qualify for, and the terms could be shorter, making it more difficult to pay back the loan. The value of the businesses, they could come down, right, Andy, because you need to carry more of this financing burden um, by the buyers moving forward. So this affects a lot of the typical popular types of financing like SBA loans, but it also affects seller financing too. Yeah, I mean, everybody loves their spreadsheets, right? So they're going to do a business model and they're going to put in there the debt service coverage uh, ratios that are needed to service the debt, be able to bring the return uh, to to a, a, a level that they want. And what's going to happen is that the value of the business, you know, the, the, the or the ability to leverage that business is going to come down. So, but the good news is, the good news out there is that 
the banking industry is certainly not in the shape it was in 2010, 2009. It, people still want to make loans. Yeah. Yeah. And not, not, not only the banks, but we've also seen um, a higher interest level in sellers for seller financing, right? Because now they're earning a decent interest rate that protects them on the risk. So seller financing is still always the most utilized option by buyers purchasing a business. But um, now that the interest rate is negotiated privately, but being set by those banks, um, there could be better rates for the buyers, but also the sellers have some upside on that too. Yeah. There, there's plenty of ways to leverage into a deal still, uh, especially profits are still good in businesses. So they are still leverageable. Uh, the banks, the SBA is not running out of money. Uh, they haven't announced anything like that. It's still one of the most profitable things or probably the only profitable thing that our government does. It's, uh, you know, it actually uh, covers its own uh, costs, the SBA program. So I think this is, you know, this is still good news, uh, but, you know, people are just aren't used to this. We talked about this a little bit before, and we'll talk about it at the end. People aren't used to these high interest rates right now, and they're getting used to them. And everybody's kind of jockeying for position to figure out what's it going to do to valuation? What's it going to do to coverage ratios? What is, what is it going to do to my future cash flow? And everybody's just trying to hedge their bets. So we have a few strategies to consider. Yes. And th this is, I think this first strategy is the most important not to forget is compare your different financing options. So we mentioned SBA and seller financing, but there's lots of different financing and funding options. And it's really important to determine which option best meets your needs um, for a business purchase. And also remember you can combine things. Um, so we didn't talk about the the ROBS program, but the rollover for business uh, startup. I think it's less commonly used, um, but it's a program where you can invest your retirement funds into a, acquiring a business. You can use that with some seller financing, some cash, and just really comparing all your different financing and funding options before you're able, before you make that decision on how you're going to purchase the business. And I think we'll get into some other strategies of, of professionals that can help you build this, this deal stack, but there's so many different options um, and so many different ways that you can layer them together to make the deal work. Yeah, there's definitely different ways to go out there uh, and find financing. So one of the first way, you know, one of the first things to do is consider a, consider a variable amount, you know, rate loan. There's plenty of uh, banks that are willing to do that. And some of them even have like a short-term fixed loan, say over the you know, next five years. So that'll bring down the rate. Uh, and I, I think I saw one recently for like six or 7%. And then it, it becomes variable in five years. And what you're doing is you're just hoping that interest rates, you know, come down over the next five years, which a lot of people think they will. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh third strategy is something we forget, but it is sometimes possible to negotiate those interest rates and payment schedules. Now, it could be difficult when dealing with some banks, um, as they do have some rules and underwriting policies um, that they do have to follow. But like we said, there's still plenty of money in the lending environment to purchase businesses. So you're still able to negotiate some of those terms, especially with seller financing, right? So you can, the sellers can negotiate whatever terms they deem appropriate and make sure that that payment schedule works for the business. Cause obviously the sellers want the business to continue and run well as well too. Yeah. Especially seller loans. I mean, if, yeah. if 
if the seller's insisting on a higher interest rate, which they don't have to, they're not the bank, they don't have to follow the uh, Fed rate, they could still do four, five percent, six percent on their business, but they could there can be a balloon note at the end, there can be um there could be interest only for the first two years while you get your legs under you. Uh, there could be contingent notes. We've seen all kinds of things go into different ways. Earnouts. There's plenty of things that you can negotiate in a loan with a seller. And like you said, even the buyers. Now, the SBA program has to follow the rules of that. Yep. But there are certain things that they could do. Working capital loans, uh, loans outside the SBA. Um, seller notes may have to be on standby, but there's lots of things uh, going on there. And I think you you did just really uh, earlier mention the ROBS program. I like that program. I, I love that program. And I think it's, it's something we don't think about, especially like, look, everyone considering what's going on in the macroeconomic environment, they're talking about the market and should you invest your money in stocks or bonds or treasuries or whatever. Here's a way that you can invest your retirement savings into your own business, right? Yeah, it is a program. And, and I would highly recommend that you use someone like Benetrends yep. who has been doing this year after year. And there's certainly ways that it has to be set up and it's and it's best, you know, ask somebody who you're working with at Transworld to hook you up with Benetrends or one of the companies that are doing that. But there's certain IRS rules that you have to watch out for. But again, there's no interest rates involved because you're borrowing the money from your own retirement. And guess what? You get to pay it back into your retirement and put some of the profits into your retirement. There's a, there's a lot of things that are you know, really good about that program, and it's probably underutilized. Yeah, I, I think, and great point about Benetrends. They're a great partner and they know so much about this program and some other ways to use uh, your retirement savings for the purchase of business. So for our last couple strategies, it's all about resources and advisors that can help you through this process. So Andy, I love you were talking about seller financing and different ways you can structure seller notes and earnouts and things. And, and I think what some people don't understand about the business brokerage industry and selling businesses is actually a very creative industry, right? You can put all these different deal pieces together, but you really have to have the right professionals and right teams and resources on your side. And we've talked about that a lot on this podcast, but the first is the SBA, the Small Business Administration. So even if you just go to their website at sba.gov, um, they have a ton of online resources about their programs. Um, you can even look and see um, some S there's SBA employees in each region that can help coach you through the different programs, introduce you um, to some of the, the lenders that provide those uh, resources and provide those financing models that we talked about earlier. So even just going to sba.gov is a great starting point. Yeah. And we have plenty of SBA bank partners that we use here at Transworld and three of them, Live Oak, New Tech, Huntington National Bank are the top three. They are the top three lenders in the marketplace. And they do a lot of business and they have a lot of great business development officers that we work with here at Transworld that can help you understand all kinds of choices. And like we said, it, sometimes they have different programs for different things. I mean, some of them specialize in certain niches. Uh, they actually like that. Some of them have 100% financing for medical. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you could leverage those banks 
because uh, you know some of them aren't even they don't even have branches. I mean, New Tech and Live Oak are not, you know SBA lenders uh, that they're non-bank. Oh, actually, sorry, New Tech just bought a bank, so we're going <laughs> to learn more about that soon. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting about that too is like when you think of big banks like Bank of America Chase, like they're not on that top five list of SBA lenders. There's banks that specialize specifically in these types of programs. So those are two, some of the three. And then I think the other resource that's really good to find those specialized banks, credit unions, lenders with SBA and other programs is utilizing loan brokers. Um, so loan brokers help you choose options for financing. And the nice thing is they're able to shop your loan for you and find you the best deals. And some of the partners that we work closely with at Transworld are multifunding, business capital, Main Street funding, and Diamond. And they can be really helpful um, in placing and really developing a competitive marketplace for your loan. Yeah, the people at work there just are magicians sometimes. And you know, you know what they know? They know small little banks that might want to play in certain, again, industries and might overlook things like business experience because they might be a little less uh, stringent on that and they might be less stringent on something else or they might have another program where they want to be in certain marketplaces. There's, you know, all these banks sometimes are getting into the SBA business for the first time and they have a big appetite. The brokers know all that stuff. So that's the, you know, to go to those guys is, and uh, is, is a good thing to do. Yeah. And our last resource or partner you definitely want to have on your team, Andy, is? Business brokers. I mean, there's 700 plus of us here at Transworld. We're doing deals all the time. You know, just reaching out to us sometimes and just asking us about certain deals, even if you're not using Transworld, I hate to say that, but even if you're not using Transworld and you want to reach out to us and say, I, you know, I'm buying my family business. Do you have any resources that can help me lend on it? It's like, wow, we've sold, you know, 15 of that type of business. We know the banks that were involved in that type of business. We could probably get you to the right person and help you structure that deal if you're buying it uh, you know, through family members or you're an employee buying it out. Uh, we love deals like that. We would be more than honored to help you because you know what? Maybe you'll sell one day and come back to yeah. Transworld. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I answer those questions and those phone calls every day. And if if anyone's listening and wants some connections to some of the resources we mentioned, just go to the dealboardpodcast.com. You can fill out the contact us form and just throw a note in there. Here's where I need help. Here's where I need assistance. And any one of us is happy to help. So as high as interest rates are right now, we we both feel that this is where they should be. I mean, maybe a little high. Let's let's call it a point or two higher. And it may very well go up. They just announced today, the Fed said that they're going to raise interest rates. They're trying to cool down the economy. The economy is cooling down. They, it, it's just lagging as we're, we're going to talk about in other podcasts, as we talk about commercial real estate, as we talk about the business valuation, it, it, it lags a little bit. But we both feel that interest rates shouldn't be 2% or 4%. No, and it's not normal. Like I pick on my little sister a lot, but you know, she keeps telling me, she's like, all right, well, I missed the, the, the first go round. I'll buy a house now and I can get two and a half percent when, when interest rates are back to normal. I was like, that James, that's not normal. (laughs) Like that was a very short term thing that happened. And I think, um, a lot of us have forgotten about what a real 
healthy interest rate environment is like. And if we look back to 17, 18, 19, like we weren't in 2% interest rates. That just wasn't happening. So. Yeah. And in eight, nine, 10, 11, they're trying to, you know, get everybody and they're holding those interest rates down as low as possible. And they were art they they were artificially held down low and 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 really we're paying the price for that right now. You know, inflation is uh out there because there's a lot of money. And why is there a lot of money? Because it was cheap. And yeah. you know, money should cost uh, money should cost money. And what we're seeing, uh, and what I think has happened over the years, and the reason why baby boomers have held on to their businesses so long, we've talked a lot about, you know, people being healthier and all that kind of stuff. But where were they going to put their money other than a risky stock market, which, you know, over the years, if you did that, that would have been a good move. But, you know, back in the day, when interest rates were normal, and let's call it, you know, you took out a home loan, it was 6%. Uh, you took out a, a small business loan, it was 8%. You took out a seller notice. And then if you wanted to take the money that you made from a business and put it in a CD, yeah. you could get 5%, 4%. Or you bought a, a bond and you could get 6 or 7%. And if you cashed out for you know a million dollars and had a little bit of savings and had passive income of 70 to $100,000 a year through some reasonably safe investments, that was a good reason to get bit rid of your business. Yeah. And and if we think about a lot of like the baby boomers are entering retirement, so they want those safer investments, right? So yeah, we have seen um, some of them pull back and not list their businesses for sale, which we've talked about affects supply demand and then that affects valuations and all of that. Um, and also at the end of the day, like I think if we go back and we look at interest rates, even where they're at right now, um, and we think about the opportunity of income you earn on a business, it's still a really good ROI on that interest rate, right? In order to acquire a business that provides you a good income, good lifestyle to your family, why those sellers are holding on to that business, right? Yeah, I think what we're going to look back on this time as as another opportunity. We always want to take the wayback machine and say, "Oh, if we only knew in 2009 and 10 to buy the all the land and all the uh, homes that we could have bought on the beachfront, we would be millionaires by now." This is going to be an opportunity where it's it, it becomes scary, right? The unknown is scary. People people who are not entrepreneurs shy away. The professional money might step out of buying some mid-sized businesses. This is an opportunity for you, Mr. and Ms. Entrepreneur, to come out right now and buy a business. Get that variable rate loan. Get leverage your ROBS uh, and your and your and your uh in retirement account. Get a loan that might be a little bit higher uh in interest. And then three years from now, buy that business at a reasonable price, good business, and then refinance later and you'll look like a genius. Yeah. Or make a ton of money and pay it off. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because still you're buying businesses for two or three times. I mean, yeah. we're talking sub-million dollar EBITDA businesses selling still for two, three, maybe getting close to a million dollars four or five times. You know, if if you're worried about interest rates over the next five years, by the time you're done, you could pay off the business already. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I hope that this gave you a good inner overview and maybe some more confidence um, to go forth and purchase a business in this environment. But you don't just have to take it from us. We have a great expert on today's show too. Uh, we have John Wall from Live Oak Bank, one of the partners and uh, largest SBA lenders that we mentioned earlier. So you're going to hear his side from it straight from the banker's mouth. Excellent. It's going to be a, a, always a good interview with John. So looking forward to that. All right, let's jump in. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold. Everybody, welcome back. And we are doing deal of the week. And we are talking to Joe DeBartolo from Trans World Business Advisors of West Florida. But Joe's all over the place. Joe is in Central Florida, West Florida. And he just closed a very nice deal. Joe, welcome. Tell us about the deal. Yes, I had a close. The deal I just closed was a 90 employee plus uh, pension company down in, uh, in in Tampa, Tampa, Florida. It was a it was a 25 year old company, 90 employees, uh, awesome deal. You know, it was a uh, good buyers and good sellers, and everybody was happy at the end of the day. That's awesome. So tell us how big it was. Tell us what the price was. The price was uh, 3.75 million dollars. Uh, uh, you know, it, you know, the, you know, the, the discretionary earnings on the business was over a million dollars a year. Um, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a very, very healthy business. Yeah, it's, it sounds really, really good. And the buyer, wh what kind of buyer was it? He was out of, he was out of Minnesota. He owned a pool construction company uh, out in Minnesota. He came down and uh, came down to Florida trying to get out of the cold weather. And they, he, he found a beautiful company that was, uh, you know, it was, you know, the guys were ready to retire, two owners. Yeah. Nice. Good. It sounds like good deals for good people. Did he uh, finance it through the SBA? No, he did not. He uh, he had his own uh, financing, a conventional mortgage he went through, and he financed it himself because he just sold his pool company in uh, Minnesota. Very nice. Very nice. So it sounds like good deals for good people. And Joe, if somebody else wants to sell a business like that, how would they best get in touch with you? I'll just get, give me give me a call. And, you know, give me a call. Email me, and uh, I'm I'm available. Give him your phone number. What? Give him your phone number. Yes. 352-999-1815. Excellent. Great job. It was a nice deal for everybody. Good deals for good people. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome back to the deal board, everybody. And today uh, we have a guest that's joined us many times and we're excited to have him back again. John Wall from Live Oak Bank. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jessica. Always a pleasure to be on with you and Andy. So today we're talking about, you know, getting deals done in a high interest rate environment. And Andy and I went into some areas and topics in the intro, but really want to dive into the details with you with what's going on in the banking industry. Maybe we'll just start with that basic question. In general, what's going on in banking? You guys have had um, exciting, I think exciting is the wrong word. Like, tumultuous. Yeah, yeah, tumultuous, interesting last 60 days. So what's going on in the banking world? Yeah. So, you know, earlier in March, obviously, with the uh, Fed taking over SVP and Signature Bank, you know, where those banks, um, not because of their loan balances or their loan portfolio got taken over, but because their inability to convert their capital to liquidity and there was really a, a run on liquidity with those banks because they couldn't access some of their longer term investments, be it treasuries or bonds or, you know, the equity that they have in their loan portfolio. So, 
there was a, kind of an overly broad concern amongst depositors, I think, across the, the U.S. banking platform of folks feeling that if they had in excess of 250000 they needed to reassess that. They needed to make a flight, what they considered a flight to safety. So, you know, since March 8th, you've seen over $150 billion of deposits leave small and regional banks to some of the larger big bank names out there, which is, you know, not what the Fed wants when it comes to a competitive and product offering standpoint and having a bank that's in your community. So it's it's been unique. It's not like what happened during 08 and 11 with bad loans and commercial mortgage-backed securities. So it's it's been a unique time um in the in the banking industry because it's not something we've seen in a bank run for for decades so mm-hmm. the good news you know is we're starting to see some of that retreat we're starting to see that now that that knee jerk reaction from business owners you know deposits are coming back to some of the regional banks there are products available to allow business owners to have FDIC insurance in excess of the 250,000 Um, which is great. You know, it didn't, there's been no material change in most lenders' lending policy. You know, banks are still providing financing for individuals to be able to acquire businesses and businesses being able to acquire and do roll-ups and and grow their balance sheet and their portfolio. So um, it feels more calm this Monday. That's good. That's good. Well, and, uh, and also like, with all of this tumultuous stuff going on, we also have the Fed, um, you know, continuing to make interest rate moves. So talk a little bit about that and where we're at today. And what do you expect? I know it's gazing into a crystal ball, but like, what do you expect to happen in the next months to come? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if my crystal ball worked, I would be retired. But (laughs) Um, I think where we are at today, you know, last week the Fed met and they did have a majority vote to increase prime, but only by 25 basis points. You know, for the listeners out there, prime a couple months ago was down at three and a quarter percent. We're now sitting at eight percent. So you're looking at a pretty significant run up in just a few quarters. Um, you know, that a lot of that has been to try and curb inflation, of which a lot of uh, your sellers are seeing and costs of goods, supply chain, all of that. And so, you know, but there is a silver lining to this. One, we're likely at the top, you know, there's still uh, the jobless numbers are low, labor markets tight. Um, you know, they've they've ratcheted it up pretty quickly now that we're sitting at 8% on the prime rate and 7A loans, which is the most commonly used product, can be priced at up to prime plus 3% variable. Now is definitely the market to be in a variable interest rate where you can take advantage of those down ticks. Historically, if you look at prime all the way back to, you know, the mid-1960s, Every time the Fed goes goes through this steep increases, even back you know between 2004 and 2009, it's followed by a scaling back of interest rates. So um, variable is a great place to be right now because we're at the high. I'm optimistic that we won't see more than you know 25, 50 basis points increase here when the Fed meets again in a few months. 
Um, but it has impact people's purchasing power. Mm-hmm. You know, in that same bucket, though, when you think of the Dow being down 20 or 30% between its high, um, you know, we're seeing the same when it comes to business acquisitions. We're seeing um, that it doesn't by any means stop deals from getting done. You just have to have a buyer that might be a little stronger, a little more liquidity, might be willing to come in with a little bit more equity. You know, the SBA allows up to 90% financing for a business acquisition, which is pretty high leverage, um, you know, when you think about it. Um, And we are seeing on the sell from a seller and a transaction standpoint, sellers are willing to maybe get a little bit more creative um, when it comes to how the structure is put together. You know, the SBA doesn't allow for earnouts, but it does allow for benchmark seller carry notes, where maybe you're benchmarking it to future revenues or EBITDA multiples or things of that nature. So there are still a lot of tools to be able to bridge that gap if there is one between a lower purchasing power of a buyer and still a really strong demand in the market for businesses, you know, under that, say, probably 1 million in EBITDA number. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of good takeaways in that. Like one, it's, you know, good news. And I think if I had to gaze into a crystal ball and I was retired too, John, I'd say we're, we're at or near the top with interest rates. Right. I think what the Fed wanted to do, slowing inflation is, you know, hopefully started to take hold, but that's good news, right. For everybody, not just buyers. Um, Also, I I really do like the creative deal structuring. And, And to be honest, we saw multiples and valuations of companies go up the last few years when the interest rate and the cost of capital was just so low for buyers, right? It was the same thing we saw in the housing market, right? You just had this huge increase in some markets. So there's a natural ebb and flow, right? Um, Another big takeaway, I love your point about variable interest rates is, is their variable can be good. I think in a lot of people's minds over the last few years, variable was bad because it only could go up. But from here, it's it's almost like it could still go up a little bit, but it's more likely to go down. So really some good takeaways. Let's talk a little bit about, though, historically looking at, and the, the title of this episode is, you know, how to deal with high uh, high interest rate environment. But historically, like where rates are at today versus where they've been over the last 10, 20, 30, 50 years is using an acquisition loan still a good investment, still a good return on investment to buy a business? Absolutely. I mean, when you look at historically where Prime has been, you know, we had an uptick back in, you know, 16 and 18. And then prior to that, 2002 to 2006, um, everybody's memory is really short. um, And they forget that, you know, Unless you talk to your parents that always tell you the story about buying a house. Buying a house in the 70s for 18%. 18, 20%. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So everybody always hears that. Yeah. But, you know, when you look at what we're financing, we're financing blue sky, we're financing goodwill, we're financing future cash flow. 99% of the loans we're providing for business acquisition are wholly unsecured. You know, they are they are woefully unsecured and under collateralized. So we are financing goodwill, which has a high risk. And to think that your alternative options are equity dilution with having to bring in more investors, um, you know, VC or capital, you know, angel investors that MES debt, which was in the teens previously is now is in the higher teens, 
you know, thinking of an interest rate at, you know, nine or nine and a half percent is not that bad. You can still get a great return on your money. You know, look at what treasuries are paying and your, anybody's return. You know, obviously the risk is much higher than a treasury, but the return on equity um, is still really, really beneficial. And a lot of the businesses may not have had, you know, price changes to, you know, help with inflation. So I think there's, you know, for buyers that are coming into businesses, there's opportunity to offset that higher interest rate expense. But interest, you know, a credit card or home equity, I mean, those are even high rates right now. So comparative to other financing vehicles out there, the SBA 7A program is really still advantageous. We haven't seen, you know, a decline in buyers, you know, because of it. You know, you all do, you and your brokers do a great job at, you know, communicating the expectations to the sellers with where the markets are at today. We do the same on the buy side. So money's a little more expensive. Memories are short. There's still good deals to be had and we're still financing them. You know, we have not had any changes to our credit policy, given what's happening in the banking industry and, you know, still a lot of good deals being done. Yeah. And I think that's a really good one to expand upon a little bit, John. It's just like, there's still ample capital looking for acquisitions, right? And I know you guys are doing tons of deals. So just talk a little bit about, you know, what Live Oaks activity is as a litmus test for the industry. Like there's still a large appetite for deals like this. Yeah, there, there absolutely are, you know, and in a lot of different industries, you know, you're starting to see probably some some rebound and normalization, which is great. You know, we've had COVID in 2020 and 2021. And so 2022 for a lot of companies is more normalized. Um, and we're continuing to lend into, you know, the majority of industries. Obviously, I think, you know, you talked about mortgage interest rates and when they, those have doubled too, you know, they've gone from in the high twos to 6%. And that impacts many industries within the new home, especially new first time home uh, buyers in those industries and some of those ancillary industries. So we're continuing to see a lot of activity. It's it's a little interesting because you're seeing some geographical rearrangement, I would say, you know, buyers coming from certain states wanting to relocate where, you know, uh, there may be more benefit to the the lifestyle and living, you know, see, we see a lot of people, you and I are based out of Colorado, it's still pretty popular to own and run a business here. If you're coming from, you know, some of the coastal states, um, where taxes are high and things like that, we're seeing a lot of uh, people be less concerned about where they're at now, and be willing to relocate to run their business on a day-to-day basis, which a couple of years ago, I don't think that that was quite as popular as it is now. Yeah, it's a lot. And I agree with you on that. It's a lot easier to market businesses nationwide on a relocatable basis or even move into the area. Just a lot of different migration patterns going on, which we don't cover on the deal board, but you can find some really interesting stuff online. So um, let's move into like some tips and I want to split this into, we'll do sellers first and then we'll do buyers, you know, in this environment, what do you think sellers can do um, to be more prepared um, for a transaction and, and, and more likely that the transaction goes through? Because I remind sellers of this a lot. If you are um, going to find a buyer that is going to use financing for the business purchase, which by and large, almost all buyers use some type of financing, Right. 
you should at least educate yourself about this financing process. So John, what can the sellers do in preparation to ensure that this deal goes through for the buyer? And obviously they get their money. Yeah, I think where we're at from a timing standpoint, I think it's important to be able to have your 2022 tax returns completed. Um, You know, we're almost all the way through Q1, 90 days into 2023. So I think I think that is important step. Um, I think having current financials year to date is also important. And being able if, you know, the majority of the business owners that we work with use QuickBooks or, you know, Netscape or one of those, you know, um, providers for their financials, learn how to export and provide an annual P&L broken down by month. I, I think that's key because it really not just does it show you trends, it shows your advisor trends, but a good borrower is going to want to know where you stand year to date compared to last year and how did last year compare to the prior years, any seasonality, any cyclicality, things like that. So I think that is that is one of it. If you haven't, you know, if you have the time frame and you haven't implemented price changes, you know, given that costs have gone up, move forward with those sort of things. You know, I think also in that same, you know, labor and understanding you know, do you have key people? Do you have key relationships? Understanding those, because that's likely going to be a really early question coming from a buyer. But I would say the financials are, are probably one of the most key things. And recognizing if there's any specific risks that your business has, if it's concentration with vendors or customers or, you know, project concentration, things of that nature. Um, and just recognize that, that's good. Those questions are going to get asked by a good buyer. And, you know, I, you and your team do a great job on, you know, communicating with, with sellers around what to expect, what questions are going to be asked. And obviously for sellers to make sure they're, you know, using somebody that specializes in their size of business. So, yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And the financials, it's funny. It doesn't matter what's going on in the economy, what's going on in the marketplace. Financials are always the key driver for sellers. All right. So let's talk about the buyer side. Like what can a buyer do to well prepare themselves to navigate today's banking climate? Yeah. And I I just recap on one thing. I mean, when you look at financials, always remember that SBA program is a cash flow based program. So we're looking at their ability for that business to repay the proposed debt. So um, with that said, you know, buyers, it's it's very similar. One, get pre-qualified, understand that you're, make sure that you're looking in the realm of what you can afford. Um, you know, Live Oak is happy to pre-qualify buyers, um, help to provide them a comfort letter of what, what they can and can't afford. You know, where is your down payment coming from? I think probably, you know, what is your experience and what is your down payment? You know, do you have translatable experience for the business? You know, are there gaps that you need to backfill for the business that you're looking at? Um, understand what your own personal balance sheet requirements are. Um, you know, we see a lot of people coming out of the professional world that say, well, you know, I, I can survive with only making X, but, you know, the last five years I've made Y, which is three times of X. So be realistic when you look at what you need to take as an, as an owner understand where your equity is going to come from, if it's all from yourself, if it's from investors, if it's from family and friends, 
there's a lot of resources um, or a lot of sources of equity, not just your personal balance sheet that's acceptable to the SBA. So I think those would kind of be some some pointers that that I would recommend to buyers. And um, you know, there's a lot of great SBA lenders in the country. Not all of them specialize in business acquisition financing. That's something that that Live Oak does do. But work with somebody that's a specialist in this in this realm. You know, so. Yeah. And that's what I was going to add to that if you didn't um, tout, tout yourself. But what Live Oak does really well and why we love partnering with Live Oak is they specialize in business acquisition loans um, using the SBA 7A programs and a lot of other programs too. But with our work together, it's usually 7A. Um, but one of the big things I, I tell buyers where you can prepare is work with a specialist, right? Not Sometimes your bank is great as your business bank, as your personal bank, but they might not specialize in business acquisition loans. They might not even specialize in SBA loans. And I know the rankings just came out a couple months ago on the top SBA lenders in the country for 2022. And I think Live Oak was number one, right? We were, yeah, by a pretty good margin. This is now our, our fifth year that will be number fourth or fifth that will be number one. And, um, you know, we're pretty focused on doing one thing and doing it really well, which is SBA financing. You know, that's how our bank was founded back in 2008. And so we continue to, to take that forward. It is, it doesn't have to be painful. And so I always remind uh, prospective borrowers that if you hear horror stories, it's probably because that person worked with the wrong lender. Um, you know, our average closing right now is taking 42 days from beginning to end. So I don't even know if you could do a home mortgage that quickly these days, um, <laughs> some of the requirements. So, you know, it, it it helps to build trust in the process, which is important, I think, on both sides, you know, building that trust, because when you go to transition the business, you want to have the full faith and the confidence from the seller that you're going to take their baby and treat it well and their employees and their customers and all of that. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, John, it's been great having you on the deal board. We always love when you join and give us these updates um, from the banking world. Tell our listeners once again, how they can reach you if they want to learn more about what you and Live Oak do. Yeah, absolutely. Again, John Wall with Live Oak Bank. You can call me directly at 303-551-4453 or my email is john.wahl at liveoak.bank. Awesome. And we will drop that contact information into the show notes as well. John, thank you for being on the deal board. Thanks, Jessica. Always a pleasure. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for Listing of the Week. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It is Listing of the Week, and we are here live in Fort Lauderdale talking about listings. But interestingly enough, this listing is not on the mainland. It's, it's one of those American dream properties, right? This is located in the St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Isles. So you're still in America, but you're not. Right. Uh, everyone speaks English. Everything's on the U.S. dollar. Uh, this is a uh, a charter company, uh, a sailing yacht, forty four foot vessel, um, owned and operated by the husband and wife who are looking to relocate back to the states for family purposes. Right. Um, the company itself has been around for twenty years. 
the price of $299 includes the yacht, which is surveyed at $200,000, uh, plus another vessel, uh, plus all the brand new sails, plus uh, it includes the mooring at Red Hook, which is one of the hard to find moorings of the Caribbean islands. It's a secured area. Uh, that's valued at twenty five thousand by itself. Nice. And the business actually makes money. Uh, they're making about fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year in profit. Right. Okay. So, but it's know, a lifestyle business. It is a total lifestyle. You want to sit back and live aboard your boat and uh, make some money and and, and just enjoy. Do they live aboard it. They do live aboard it. Well, all right. So, so room and board included. Room and board included. <laughs> It's an amazing opportunity. You have done a lot of offshore deals, although this is sort of offshore, but still here it's in the literally United in the water. So right. It's it literally not as offshore as you're going to get. But it's not in a foreign country. It's not in a foreign country. So that's St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Isles, sailing vessel, $299,000. Well, get it quick. It yep. is uh, one of those things that you made your New Year's resolution and you want to change your lifestyle. This yeah. is it, folks. Uh, just got to know how to sail. Either that or find yourself a captain. Or learn real learn fast. To sail. Learn to <laughs> sail. Your first few weeks will be on, on YouTube right, right. watching. So, Absolutely. all right, Tom, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Tom at tworld.com or 561-702-6867. Excellent. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, man. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com.